Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today's message, I Can, I Will, with God, is part two of the vision series by Pastor CJ. This message will encourage you to start doing the impossible with God. If God is for you, then who can be against you? We hope you enjoy this message. I swear, amen. Take out your sermon notes. Let's get into the message today. Uh, I'm excited to pick up our messages, our series. We talked about vision. Uh, the last couple, last time I preached, I preached about what do you see? Uh, Jeremiah, the Lord said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah said, I see an alm tree. And so because he saw correctly, God blessed him. Today, I want to talk about vision part two. And I want you to say this with me. I can, I will with him. Come on, say it again. I can, I will with him. How many of you know you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Amen. It's not of our own strength, our own abilities, our own abil- talents or giftings or charisma. It's all about him. I want to recap from a couple weeks ago. So this may be a recap to some of you, but I need to kind of pick up where I left off at. But a recap, a vision gives you unity purpose and a meaning for your existence. How many of you know that's true? A vision brings unity. Unity, walking together, doing the same thing, marching to the same beat, that we're all on one page, all in one accord, doing the same thing. We're two or three agree, it shall be done. There's no limit to what a church can do when we are all walking together in one accord. And when you're a discord and when you spread out and you're doing your own different things, there's weakness. There's not strength, but there's strength in numbers or in unity. But it gives us a purpose. What is the purpose for our church? A lot of people, is our purpose for our church just on Sunday mornings that we come every Sunday morning just to worship? I hope not. Sunday morning is just a jump start to set you off and get you going again from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That Sunday is just a jump start uh, to get you going through the week. But what really is our purpose is to get you going and get you focused on the things of God so that when you leave here, you're energized, you're focused and you're prepared to do the work of the Lord. That's the purpose of the church is to equip you, to prepare you, and then to send you to do the work of the Lord. That's what it's all about. And then another purpose of the church is to celebrate. To celebrate what? We come to celebrate the resurrected Savior. Aren't you glad that you serve a risen Savior today? And I don't know about you, but that's something to celebrate, that we have a purpose. That purpose is that we don't serve a dead God, but we serve a living God. He's living and moving and have his being in our lives, that we serve a resurrected Savior. Amen? So that's our purpose and our meaning for existence. Why do we exist? Are we just a church here on 35 that has a a nice looking outside or an exterior with fake brick, but we're going to change that out this summer. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to get rid of all that. We're going to make it look new. Amen? Right, Quinn? And uh, but we're going to, we're going to read, whatever. That's another story. But vision. But but uh, but are we just to do that, just to have a building? No, we got to have a reason to exist, and that reason to exist is to further the kingdom of God. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you are Simon or Peter, and upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the reason or the existence of the church is not to become stagnant or stale or complacent, but it's always about the business of the Father. And you ever think about what is the business 
business of the Father. The business of the Father is to continue to build the church, to continue to build the church, that we should never become complacent, that we should never become stale or satisfied of where we are at, that we should be going forward in the things of God. If you read the book of Acts, which I love to read, and I pray that we as a church will become the book of Acts, that we will be the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is a church that was a church in action. How many of you know the Bible says in James 2.17 that faith without works is dead? You can have all the faith in the world. You can have all the faith in the world. But if you don't put feet under your faith, what good is your faith? What really good is your faith? All you're going to do is you're going to be like a car with a motor started in park. <laughs> you sound good. You look good. You're shiny. You're clean. But you're not going anywhere. That's what faith without works is dead. You make a lot of noise. You look pretty. You look good and all this and that and the other thing. But you're not doing anything with what's inside of you. And so what we need to do as a church is we need to be busy about the business of the Father. And the Father's business is what? The feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Feed my sheep. Do you notice that he said that to him three times? He said that to him, feed my sheep. By the third time when Peter asked Jesus that, when Jesus asked Peter that, Peter was getting indignant. He was getting upset because what do you keep asking me that question for? The question is that Jesus was trying to drive the point home. The point was take care of the lost. Take care of the sheep. Take care of those that are less fortunate, that are hurting, that are sick, and that are afflicted. That's the existence or the reason of the church. Another one is this. A vision gives you a course of direction. And a plan of action. How many know that's true? That it gives you a course of direction and a plan of action. Point one, point two, point three. My wife, the other day, she gets on this cabin thing like on Facebook. It's a cabin Facebook thing about all about the cabin things and stuff like that. And so she saw a, a little nightstand that was really nice on this Facebook, and it was very reasonable. And, uh, you know, me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like one of those guys, I'm so cheap, I squeeze the buffalo off the nickel, amen. And so they, 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 they may have had the price on there for this, that, and the other thing, but we squeezed the buffalo, and we got the price down cheaper than what it was. And so she brought this thing, and then when I went to, you know, clean it up, because it was in the garage, it was kind of dusty, and when I went to clean it up and put that pledge on it and clean it up, put it down in the bare room, uh, what I noticed that it had a B and A and D still on the inner walls of that cabinet. And so what that really was telling me, that that was a prefab, it wasn't made, that, that somebody constructed it, that somebody had to put it together. So in other words, somebody had to put it together by putting A with B, B with C, C with D, right? And if you get any of that sequence messed up, what's going to happen? That thing's going to lean, 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 or it's going to be not shut right, or the drawer is not going to fit, or the door is not going to be crooked or whatever, but it had to be in sequence, A, B, C, D, E, F. I never want to be the F, amen? But G, right? But you had a plan. You had to follow the plan to make it happen. And it's the same thing as a church. You have to follow out the plan to make it happen. And God has given us a plan. So listen, when you have a plan, and this is what I shared with you a couple weeks ago, when you have a plan, this is what it does. When you have a plan, it gives you the three E's, right? Remember this? It gives you energy, enthusiasm, and efficiency. In other words, Dan, it makes things smooth for you. Have you ever wondered why God said he'll make the crooked way straight? 
How do you think God makes the crooked way straight? He says, when you keep your eyes on him, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Now, you got to get this. The author and the perfecter of your faith, what he begins to do as you keep your eyes on him, what he does, he makes that crooked way that you used to go this way or that way, he makes it straight. And so that's because God has a plan for you. I know the plans I have for you, plans to what? Prosper you and not to harm you, Jeremiah 29, 11. So the key is to a vision is having a plan so that you have a course of direction. So what it gives you when you have that, it gives you the energy, enthusiasm, and efficiency. So what is some of our plans for our church? Well, many of you know when I came here, and you may think, wow, pastor, how many of you know that a fish will only grow as big as its tank? right? And so if you have a small tank, that fish is going to remain small. But if you take that small fish and put it in a bigger tank, what's going to happen to that fish? It's going to become bigger. I remember when Cheryl and I, we built our home in Colorado. Well, outside our porch right there, our front yard, we put in one of those sunken ponds, you know, those ponds, and we put some of those coral fish in the, in the fish tank or the pond that we had right there. We had the sprinkler and we had the fountain and we had the big trees. It was really pretty. But when I I brought those puppies they were like that big they're like two inches and I mean I mean to tell you they were only like two inches and man they were just small and you know the mud the water would get a little mucky and you know sometimes you couldn't even see them but we had them for over a year and a half before you knew it when I threw the food in the water it felt like doo-doo Doo-doo. Jaws coming up at me. Wham! Those bad boys I thought man you guys are giants but it started out small the Bible says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. That God takes the little and he makes it much, right? So God says, listen, what I want you to do is I want, called you to Siren to do this, to build a church. And you may think I've lost it and I've had too many Fruit Loops. But God called us. I know without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt in my heart, that God called us to build this church to be a 1,000 people. I know that. I know without a shallow bill, without a shallow doubt, there's no wavering, there's no ifs, ands, or buts in me, and there's especially no buts in me, amen? <laughs> I, I, I know without a shallow doubt that God called us to do that. And then when I thought about that, I thought, God, a, a community of 806 people, how are you going to do that? You want to call us to do that, Lord? You're calling, why do you want us to do this? Because the Lord said, I want you to weigh the sleeping giant. I want you to bring something new, fresh, and exciting here to these communities. And so I thought, God, why? Why me, Lord? Why? He said, well, why not you? Have you ever said that to God? And you said, God, why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one? Come on, how many know what I'm talking about, right? You say, why me, Lord? Because if God wanted to use someone else, he would have used someone else. But he chose you, which you're coming to be an intern this summer. Amen. Because she's going to be our intern. Raise your hand. She's going to be an intern right there. I'm excited. She's going to become an intern for us. And you know what's really cool? If God wanted to call someone else, Dan, he would have. But he called you, and he called me to do what we're supposed to do.
And he called us to build a church of 1,000 people. So how are we going to do that? Plan your work, work your plan. So here it is, Monty. Here's some of the things. Obviously, this is just a skeleton of some of the things that we're going to do. Number one, how will we accomplish this? Number one is this. We must have the Lord at all times driving the bus. That God has to be the lordship of everything that we do. You notice why I said bus? Because you know the bus, you can put many people on the bus, right? But guess what? There's only one driver. Now, I remember the day when I drove the bus. Man, we were the first group. I'm not kidding. You remember back in the day, there was that racial barrier and there was that segregation in the 60s. You remember when that was all going on and that racial tension that was happening and so on? I'll never forget that. But what happened was, in my day in Racine, Wisconsin, what they wanted to do, they broke up the barriers from different territories or different areas or neighborhoods, and they moved our neighborhood that my school would be normally, normally it would be four or four miles away that I would normally have to ride a bus. This is no kidding. When I, but I would normally have to ride a bus when I went to Starbucks Junior High, my seventh grade, it was four miles away. But then what they wanted to do, they wanted to start integrating different races together, right? So then what happened was that my block, Park Avenue, was, man, now the new boundary where they were going to now take us that group from Park Avenue down towards Lake Michigan, which was about a territory of about eight blocks from Park Avenue down towards Lake Michigan, was about eight blocks from deep or wide, and about maybe six miles long. They were taking those kids now, and they were bussing them. Believe it or not, they were bussing me out to Gifford Junior High. Well, you say, what's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. They took me from a four-mile trip... Now to now, almost an hour bus ride every day. And the reason why is because they wanted to integrate different races. And what happened was it was so cool. Because you know what, what really racism is, is racism is this, that you are afraid of the unknown. You're afraid of the whites. You're afraid of the African Americans. You're afraid of the Native Americans. You're afraid of Hispanics. You're afraid of, and so what happened was, with Monty, what happened was we began to integrate with the different races. And man, before you knew it, they were always my best friends. They, and if you remember last week when she sold Brian's song, Daniel, on the, on the script, that's my my favorite movie. Do you know how many times I went through the movie Brian Song before they made it a DVD? I had the VHS thing of Brian Song. I ate it up three times. And she just recently brought me the CD Brian Song. Da, 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 da. I love Brian Piccolo, and I want you to love him too, right? But you know what? I remember getting on the bus. And man, at times when I got on the bus, it was always the same kids. Now, I want you to get this. It was always the same kids, but there was always different places on the bus. So one day, I might sit over here. But next day, I might come over and I'll sit over here. Or the next day, I'll come and I'll sit over here. But one thing I've always noticed that was constant, it was always the same bus driver. It was always, Chris, the same bus driver. The same people, but different places. And in a vision, what happens in a vision, what you do is you weld together and you might change different seats or different places on the bus, but the driver is always the same. 
It's always Jesus. And he has to be the driver of the church. And in that, we're going to integrate with one another. We're going to bring down racial barriers. We're going to bring down socialisms. We're going to bring all these things down. And we're going to be a church that's unified for the glory of God. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what it's all about. And so we got to have Jesus number one. Number two, look at this. We all as a church must have a mindset that it's not about me, but about the harvest, right? That's not about me. That, hey, not me, 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 and myself and I, but it's about out there, that we got to reach the harvest, that we got to penetrate the loss, that we got to glean the fields before we lose the fields. And that's what it's all about. We got to have a heart for the fields. The Bible says that the fields are ready for harvest. But where are the harvesters? The workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. But what? The workers are few. Who are the workers? It's you and I. One of the greatest things that I had growing up as a kid was going to the farm. And when we'd go and harvest the crops, we would celebrate, man, every time the crops came in. And you know what? That's what a church does. We celebrate. We rejoice when someone comes to the Lord. Think about this. God, who created man and created every living being on this planet, if God and the angels in heaven, Quinn, rejoice when someone comes to the Lord, when one just comes to the Lord, the angels in heaven rejoice, don't you think we at Adventure Church should get excited when someone comes to the Lord? That's what it's all about. Last year in 2018, you've seen on the video, we had 78 new people come to the Lord. That to me is exciting. Come on. Give the Lord praise. That's what it's all about. And so it's not about me. It's not about satisfying me. See, listen, I hear people all the time say, well, I'm not getting anything from the church. Well, if church ain't doing this, pastor ain't preaching, pastor ain't doing You know what? When I always say that, ah. I really, I, I want to do that. You know why? Because if you're waiting on me, then you're missing Monday through Saturday. That's when you should be prepared. Your devotional time. Listen, the Bible said God rewards you when you close the door and shut the door behind you. Then God rewards that which is done in secret. When you come on Sundays, you should be charged up, ready to worship and celebrate a living God. And my role is to edify, encourage, and to inspire you that you go back out into the harvest field and touch one for him. Your role is to take care of yourself Monday through Saturday. Our role as a church is to come to celebrate with one another. Why do you think we did the 21 days of reading? Hopefully to inspire you to start reading. When I was a youth pastor in Watertown, South Dakota, well, there was nothing to do in Watertown, South Dakota. Kind of like it is here sometimes, amen? <laughs> Four o'clock, everything shuts down. Man, all you hear is the squirrels barking in the trees, and that's entertainment to you, right? And, uh, <laughs> but, but you know what we would do? My days off were Thursdays there in South Dakota. And because there wasn't a lot to do there, true story, Michael, because there wasn't a lot to do there, what we would do for free entertainment, we would go to the cattle barn. 
Have you ever been to a cattle barn before where they auction off cattle and all that stuff, right? And all the farmers bring their cattle to the cattle barn, and, man, they're all packed in there and so on and so forth. And it's so funny. We would go up in the barn on the catwalk and look down at all the cattle. And we'd watch all these ranchers and these guys, these auctioneers, trying to get these cows to go into the corral so they can auction them off, right? And sometimes they'll hit them, they spank them, whatever, get those cows to move. But they wouldn't move. But I'll tell you one thing. When they took out the rod, man, we used to crack up. They used to take that cattle prod, man, take that cattle prod, and that farmer go up there, and my kids said, Dad, check this out. And that farmer walk out that cow, she'd be like, oh, and that cow would go crazy. And we'd get all kind of, man, we'd laugh. I'm telling you, Lisa, it was hilarious. But you know what the church does? We need to prod each other to do the work of the Lord, that sometimes we need a spark of the Holy Ghost, that God set me aflame, set me afire, God, to do your work again. It's not about me, but it's about them out there. Lord, ignite me, fire me up, charge me up, so I can do your work. Amen. Somebody say amen. That's what it's all about. It really is. Man, we need to be prodded. And listen to this. We must not become a program church, but a step church pointing people to Jesus. That we don't be all about programs, this, that, and the other thing, but we have a purpose in everything that we do. That Susan, that we do everything that we do. Why do we do Celebrate Recovery? To help people with habits, hangups, and hurts, and pains. That's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. Why do we do Alpha? We do Alpha to direct them and point them to become stronger to Jesus. Why are we doing the Holy Spirit? Man, I'm going to tell you something. Without saying a name, already those that came on Wednesday night, and I told you that Matthew 5, verse 6, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, already, already from Wednesday night, those that were there Wednesday night, this individual, when she went home and started to pray, while she was in the car, Pastor Jack, while she was in the car, got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She just told me that today. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's exciting. Why are we doing these things? Because we got to be a step church. One step leads to another. And as you go one step at a time, you're getting closer to Jesus. And as you draw closer to him, he'll draw closer to you. We don't want to do a church that's all about programs, this, that, and the other thing. We want to be a church that points people to the cross, the resurrected Savior that lives and moves and now has his being within me. That's what we have to become, a church that's alive for him. Another one is this. We must be a church willing to serve in our community. Amen? People don't care how much you know. They don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. They want to know how much you love, how much you really want to get dirty, right? And that's what people want to know. That's why Mark 10, 45 says he didn't come into the world to serve, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. He didn't want to be served, but he wanted to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for who? You and I. And so we got to serve in our community. we got to get our sleeves up and get our hands dirty. And how many of you know that when you serve people, it's a challenge. It takes work. Amen? It really does. It takes work. I remember, I'll tell you, listen, my, I had my father-in-law, and not anything against my father-in-law. I love him very dearly. But we were his caretaker for, man, almost six years. And, man, his health went really down. And you know what? It's, it takes yeah, yeah. My wife caught that one. We were his caregivers, and his health went really up. Amen. I'll rephrase. But, but, but his health went down. I mean, and so therefore, each time his health went down, it, it demanded more of us. And you know what? It was draining sometimes. Some of you know what I'm talking about. 
But you know what? You know, Paul, you're, you're a big fisherman. Paul, like Stephanie, and others are here. Big Dan, you guys are, Monty, you guys are big fishermen. I really am not a big fisherman. You know why? Seriously, no kidding. This is honest truth. Number one is because I'm paranoid Floyd of blood. Amen. I don't care if it's a fish, dog, cat, doesn't matter. You, I'm a paranoid Florida blood. Number two, to be honest with you, I don't know how to clean a fish. I've never, I don't know how to fillet a fish. I don't either. So you know what? I love catch and release. I'll catch them and I'll release them. Thank you, Jesus. Because I don't have to clean them. Right? But how many of you know that when you serve people, it's going to get dirty? It, it takes energy, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes a lot of maybe resources or whatever it is to be able to serve a person. And then another one is this, we must love people no matter what they, what, who they are. How many of you know the Bible says that God is love? If we claim we have not love, we don't know God. Love looks beyond the fault. How many of you ever heard this statement before? You love the sinner, but you hate the sin. God says, listen, you got to love. God is love. What's the central theme of the Bible, the New Testament? John 3, 16, God so loved the world. It's all about love. God loved. And so people, they know if you love them or not. Here's three things that people really look for in you. Number one is this. Are you genuine? People will see if you're genuine or you're just putting on a face. They'll know if you're really genuine. They understand. Are you really sympathetic? Are you really genuine? Are you really real? How many of you know you can't con a con? Amen. You can't con a con. And so people will really know if you're genuine because that's what people look at. Are they really for real? Another thing that people look for in people is this. Are you full of compassion? Are you compassionate? In other words, are you understanding? Do you really understand my needs? Have you ever noticed why Jesus came as a man? Number one, he came as a man so that he can understand you, feel, sense, and know, and experience the things that you experience every day. Your best counselor is one that's going through something that you're going through in your life. Jesus went through it all. So he came here as a man so he can understand you. He came here divine or all-powerful or almighty so that not only he can understand you, Andy, but he came divine so he can help you. So you see the twofold blessing of Jesus. He came to understand you, then he came to help you. But see, if you ever notice the Gospels, which I, man, I love reading. I read them over and over again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I, I read them over again because I, if I'm going to follow this Jesus guy, guess what? I want to get to know this Jesus guy. How many know what I'm talking about? And you know one thing I learned about Jesus? That every time you see Jesus approaching the crowd, let's just say like I'm walking and I come and I see you and all of a sudden, Jesus sees you, and he scans the crowd. You know what it always says? That Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with understanding. Jesus was moved with mercy. Jesus was moved with grace. Every time when he came upon a crowd, he was moved with compassion. You see, do you really have compassion towards people? Do you really have an understanding towards people? Do you really love them genuinely? Another one is this. Are you willing to sacrifice. Are you willing to go the extra mile? Are you really to really go the extra mile? I'll tell you, as I bragged about you guys earlier, this church, I'll tell you, what you're doing for Sarah already, already tallied over $700 already. I, I, I just, I'm just so grateful. That's what you guys do. Going the extra mile means, God, I might have to sacrifice something. 
I might have to give up something for somebody else. But I always find this to be true. God is in the business of multiplication. Number one, you can never outgive God. And then when God tells you to give up something, he's going to replace it with something else. I've always find that true. You can never outgive God. And when you give, God will replace it with something better. That's how our God works. Amen? So are you genuine? Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 13, he says this. I love this. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, I want you to take notice of this because this is Paul saying this, Carl, just prior to him launching out as a missionary. Now, Paul is launching out as a missionary. As prior to this, if you know Paul's history, he made tents and he did these things to make money on the side so he can do the work of the Lord. Now, he's now saying here, Monty, this scripture really relates to saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then you guys know verse 19 of the same chapter of Philippians and where Paul says, my God will supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, right? Why does Paul say that I can do all things through Christ and my God will supply? Because in between is the meat. You see, that scripture in verse 19 is the bread that contains the meat. You ever heard of Wendy's commercial? Where's the beef? Well, 14 through 18 is the beef. And you know what the beef is? It's the church of Philippi bringing support to Paul in his time of need as being a missionary. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That I can do, Chris, all things through the Lord who gives me strength and the ability to accomplish, God, that which you're calling me to do. So, God, I can do all things through Christ, and I know that you will supply all my needs according to your glorious riches. Now, 14 through 18, I'm going to walk it out. And I'm going to do that which you call me to do. And so he said, I can do all things through Christ. So our vision for a 1,000 people. I love this. The vision may seem big and impossible, but with God, all things are possible. How many know that's true? All things are possible for those who believe. In Romans chapter 8, I love Romans 8. You hear me say this all the time because I stress it. Hopefully you get it in your spirit. You see, if you hear it nine to ten times, it becomes a habit, and you live it out, and you act it out. I call Romans 8, great 8. It is the greatest chapter Read Romans 8. You want to be fed. You want to be edified. You want to be built up. You want to be strengthened and encouraged. Read Romans 8. I'm, tr I'm telling you, you can't read it enough. It's got so many principles, so many nuggets, so many things in there to chew on. But he says this. In Romans 8, he talks about that being a conqueror. How many of you know you can't be a conqueror if you don't have a problem to conquer? If you don't have a situation, if you don't have a struggle, if you don't have a hardship, if you don't have some valleys, if you don't have these things in your life, then what are you conquering? Usually, when you have a war, what is that? You're going against your enemy. And the one that wins is the one that comes against the opponent or overtakes the opponent is the what? The winner or the conqueror. So in other words, you have an opponent, you have a struggle, you're going to have hardships, you're going to have battles, you're going to have situations in your life. But God says, don't be surprised by that. Because here's why he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? We're going to go through things when we do a, go forward as a church, when we go forward in our vision. We're always going to be having growing pains. We're going to have people that's going to talk about us. We're going to have people that's going to say, always like that. 
That's, that's never, never stops. That's always going to be. People, people like this. People always, this. here's the thing about people. People, I want to be honest with you, there's people that are nosy, that people want to get in your business. People want to gossip about you. People want to talk about you because they got nothing else to do. So that's just a common thing that's going to happen all the time. That's just the way it is. How many know what I'm talking about? And you want to say, shoe fly, don't bother me, right? But Paul said, he sets this up and he says, listen. He says, who can be against us? He said this, to these things, if God is for us or you or the church, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Why is he saying that? Because he knows, Carl, you're going to go through that. Has any of you been exempt from trouble? Has any of you been exempt from persecution? Has any of you been exempt from false accusations? Has any of you been exempt from uh, hardships? Wow, there's not one hand in here. Because he knew, he knew, Jane, that we're going to go through these things in life. He knew that. Marlene, you're going to go through these things in life, Jessica. But then he goes on. He says, he says, I love this. He said, who then? Persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written. I love that. You know why he says it is written? Get this. You know why he says it is written? What does he say? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass. It is written. It is written. You're going to go through persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and hardships. But here's what he says. For, you, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, somebody better give the Lord praise. Amen. Now, come on. Isn't that right? Come on. We are more than a conqueror. So if you see that, what does that mean? Number one, God is for us. Number two, look at this. He will give us everything that we need to accomplish his goal, his dream, his vision. I love this. Listen, he will be our judge in all that we do. God will keep us on track. He will say, go to the right, go to the left. He calls the balls and strikes of our lives. He is praying for us. How many know that's great to know that God is praying for you? Amen. Look at, he makes aware what we are going through. Uh, he makes us aware we will go through battles, so don't be surprised by that. 1 Peter 4.12, we're going to go through those things. But most of all, we will be conquerors in the end. Why do you think Galatians says, do not become weary in well-doing, for at a proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not quit. You got to stay in there. We got to have a stick in there attitude that I'm staying in there. I'm not quitting. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm sticking in there. Amen. We're going to go through struggles. We're going to go through ups and downs in life. We got to stick in there. I need to close. Go ahead, uh, uh, Andrew or Ethan. But Nehemiah, 
I love the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of the most inspiring books. You know what it is about Nehemiah? Here's the cool thing about Nehemiah. If you read the book of Nehemiah, it's a challenging, it's encouraging, it's inspiring, it's about a vision, it's about dreaming, it's about faith, it's about not quitting, it's an attitude of gratitude, it's being tested in every area. So I love Nehemiah. Have you know about Nehemiah? Man, he had to build with one hand and fight with the other. He had to do these things. He had to withstand against even against his friends they became his enemy they were mocking him they were ridiculing him when he was restoring the wall but Nehemiah said these words in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 17 he says these words and I love this he said then he said to them he said to the people bringing hope he said to them he said you see the trouble we are in in other words what happened the trouble they were in you know the story the walls were in ruin and the walls represented safety, security. It represented protection, Monty. He says, he said, listen, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. In other words, devastation came to the house. Have you ever had devastation come to your house? Man, whether it be a sudden death, whether it be a financial crisis, whether it be bankruptcy, whether it be a, a, a separation or divorce or whatever the case may be, devastation may have come to your house. And that's what came to there, to Jerusalem. He says, listen, come. I love it when you see the word come because Jesus tells us to come. Come all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come and dine at the table. Jesus always invites us to come. And this is what Nehemiah is saying. That word come gives me hope. He says, come, let us, us right here, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I don't know about you, but that is so cool to me that we will no longer be in disgrace. So you see the things here, it says this. The method of Nehemiah's madness and the purpose of his vision was, number one, this. Nehemiah defined the problem. You see, he had a vision. Here's the problem. The problem was the walls were in ruin. You see, listen, defining the reason for your vision gives you the why, gives you the why you are doing it. Nehemiah defined the problem. Here's the why we are doing it, because the walls are in ruin. Why are the reason that we're trying to either build or buy here at Adventure Church? Because we're outgrowing. Maybe not today because a lot of people are gone because of cold. But you know what? When they say you're 85% full, which we are, we're well over that in every area, every night, Monday through Friday, this place is packed every night. We're well over that. And when you're 85% full, there's two options you can do. Number one, you can stop growing, and then what happens? You go backwards. Or, number two, you expand. How many remember the book Jabez, the Jabez prayer? In the Jabez prayer, it says, enlarge the places of your tents. Stretch forth the places of your tents. In other words, when he was saying that to Jabez, that was a prayer that I'm going to enlarge the places of your tent. Isaiah says to stretch forth your tent cords and make the place bigger. And our problem is, is that I've identified the problem that we've outgrown things here. When you have 74 kids upstairs, can you imagine that? That's, I mean, it's like, why do you think we're splitting them? 
we're outgrowing, so we have to identify the problem. Remember, Jesus wants to build his church, not to go backwards. So next thing that we can do is we go to three services, and then what happens when we go to three services? I hear now that, hey, I don't know the people from the first service. I don't see the people from the second service. Can you imagine if we go to three services? Another thing that Nehemiah did this, he determined the solution. You see, in a vision, when you can have a vision, but what's the solution in your vision? When you've got a vision, when many of you here today, whether you've got a business, whatever you're doing, what's the solution to your vision? Here's the v- solution. We must rebuild. That was what Nehemiah said. We need to rebuild. This is the solution to the problem to bring safety back to the people. We got to rebuild. What do we have to do? We have to stretch forth our cords. What do I see? I see, man, a sanctuary. We're going to go build for 650 people. Then we'll go to two services once we fill that up. But I see, man, rooms. I see classrooms. I see, a man, a, 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 a commons area with a coffee shop that we can come and just gather together and fellowship and hang out and just enjoy one another's company. I see connecting. I see, man, a Christian education department that we're adding classes, pointing people to Jesus, not programs, but pointing to people to Jesus. We got to add so that we can educate, we can train, teach, and send out into the lost world. That's what I see, Chris. Why does God give that to me? I don't know. I wish he'd take it away sometimes. I wish I would carry this vision for nine months like a mother when Sarah just gave birth to a baby. But a vision doesn't go for nine months. Colorado was 12. And after that, man, God released me from the vision. Everything was done. I'm not an elephant. Elephants digested. Their their pregnancy level is, man, three years uh, Lord help me. You know, another one is Nehemiah knew it was time to act now. He knew it. Was, look what he said. It was a disgrace to the people. In other words, he didn't want any more disgrace on the people. Can you imagine? It was an embarrassment to the people that here we are, Jerusalem, a mighty fortress that now lies in disgrace. We don't want to be a disgrace to our community. Can you imagine? How many of you go to a restaurant and the parking lot is full? What is your first reaction when you see the parking lot full? Oh, do you want to say? Go to another place. Too f- good place to go. Oh, hey, hallelujah, that's a good problem. I didn't hear that one in the first service. But a lot of people say, it must be full. We're going to go somewhere else, right? And see, why did we expand the parking lot? Why do we expand now? If you look at my yard, we park all the way on the yard by the volleyball court. We want to bring in the sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. If you didn't get it the first and second time, feed my sheep. God, if you say it again, I'm going to give you hospital. That's because God wants us to have a heart like him. You see, listen, Hebrews 11.1 says that now faith is. Now faith is. Now, right now, you have to seize the moment. You have to seize the moment as it is right now. Not yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, today is a gift. Today, right now, we got to seize the moment. And guess who's in this moment? 
It's you. You think you're here by accident? No. You're part of the divine plan that God has for this puzzle. That's what it is, Randy. Here, God brought you from the wilderness. Now here we're doing a lot of things, interacting together. Isn't that great? We're, do, we're doing team stuff together. Man, it's fun to see that, that we're a team. There's no limit to what we can do. Now is the time. You see, now means not waiting until it's too late and wish we had. How many of you ever said this before? The woulda, coulda, shouldas. I wish I woulda, I wish I coulda, and I wish I would. The woulda, coulda, shouldas. And we have the bag or the bag of regrets of woulda, coulda, shoulda. And then the train passes us by because we sat there and didn't do anything. And now we're sitting in our misery of our woulda, coulda, shoulda. When God says now. But you know what faith is? When God says now, here's what faith is. Lisa, he doesn't always lay the plan out. Faith is a substance of things unseen. So in other words, Dan, walking by faith, it's not by sight. I walk by faith, not by sight. So walking by faith means that maybe we won't see the whole thing materialize right before us the way we want it to but we're going to put one foot in front of the other and soon we'll be walking out the door. That's what faith is. As we close, Isaiah 43. You notice what he says. He says this. He says, forget the former things. In other words, God can never do a new thing until you let go of the old things. I mean, no, it's true. Man, I fought and fought computers Man, calculators, I am familiar with calculators. When computers came in the age, my time, they scared me. I was scared to death. I was still scared. And I fought and fought it. But now, guess what? I'm accepting it. I'm embracing it. Because how many of you know that sometimes change means doing different new things? But in order to do new things, you got to let go of the old things so you can experience the new things, right? So he says, do not dwell on the past. Yesterday, yeah. Oh, man. Do you remember this? See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness, a dry place, and streams in the wasteland. That's what God wants to do at Adventure Church. He wants to do a new thing. And guess what? I say this all the time. You today, Gail, are walking in your miracle. We are doing a new thing for God. Will you stand with me today? Thank you for being here today. I mean that. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your car starting. Amen? Amen. Thank you for really being here today. And please, uh, if anyone's ready for your calendar for Monday, I'm so sorry about Monday. I can't predict the weather. But I just know that we won't have a quorum tomorrow if we had the meeting. And I don't, I don't want to go without a quorum. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I thank you for every individual here today and whatever their situation or need that may be here today. I pray that, God, you'll bless them and that you will meet them right where they're at right now.
Father, may we have a vision for the harvest. May we have a vision, Lord God, for the lost. May we never be complacent, content, or satisfied of where we're at, but may we continue to go forward in the things that you have in store for us. Well, Lord God, thank you for Adventure Church, which consists of every one of these individuals here today. Bless them, be with them, and we thank you, Father, for this is the day that you have made, and we rejoice in it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you today. Have a great day in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. To learn more about us or see all our upcoming events, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram by using at Adventure Church Siren or check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.